0: This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is Celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. (laughs) Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together. Can I drink some water? And as our campus has joined us over in Appleton, or not Appleton, but uh, the Fox Valley, where are they actually over there? Manasha. Manasha. There's a conglomerate of cities over there. We call it the Fox Valley. That's where they're at this morning. And our campus in Stevens Point, as well as all those who are still at home watching, good to have you with us, and all those who visit us online all over the world. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and who we are here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us again this morning. And we're excited about the Fox Valley campus coming back to life. They're not officially open yet, but... Uh, There are meeting uh, right now in a smaller group and uh, working out all the bugs. And then once everything's up and running and we got the go ahead, then we'll have our official launch. But we are excited for the outreach there. I wanna take just a minute to take our offering this morning. Um, Most of you give by recurring giving, which we appreciate. So you go online and you set up a thing and say, this is how much I'm gonna give every week, month, however you wanna set it up. And then it's just done automatically. Uh, others, they give when they come or they mail in checks or, or you can give uh, on our website. You push the give button at celebrationchurch.tv or you can give via your phone. A lot of people can do that as well. You simply send a message to 77977. That's who you're going to send the message to. And then in the little message, Type C-C-W-I. Don't type hi. Don't type we love you. Don't type I'm giving, you know, and uh, you laugh. You have no idea how many people, you know, they'll type in give or this and this. No. Well, I'm trying to give. The computer doesn't know that. It just does what you say, C-C-W-I. W.I. That's the message you're sending. And then the dollar amount. Whether or not you add the dollar sign uh, is up to you. But you can do it that way. So send the message C- uh, 77977. And then in the message, CCWI, nothing else. And then space and $500,000 or whatever you want to give. <laughs> not sure that would clear, but uh, anyway. So uh, we appreciate you doing that. Um, This morning, I want to pick up in uh, Exodus chapter 32. Now, we've been following the children of Israel as they've they've been going uh, through the wilderness after coming out of Egypt. Uh, We've been doing this for a season. We jumped ahead last week to get in a different message, but we're going to back up a little bit now. We just saw how Moses had gone up into this mountain, and God had given him the Ten Commandments. We read those Ten Commandments A couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we're going to pick it up where he's still up there. He's got the Ten Commandments. He still hasn't come down yet to give it to the people. And uh, we're going to pick up the story there and, and see what happens. It says, now when, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, so he's up there for like 40 days. And obviously they're acting up before that. So he's gone for several weeks and they panic. Where is he? We don't know what to do and they start to take matters into their own hands. And the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, "'Come, make gods for us, who shall go before us. "'As for this Moses, the man who brought us up "'out of the land of Egypt, "'we do not know what has become of him.'" Now, when they say the guy who brought us up to the land of Egypt, there's no small (laughs) occurrence here. Remember, Moses comes and says, "'Let my people go.'" And the Egyptians said, "'I'm not letting them go.'" And all these plagues come one after another, just dramatic stuff. They finally are released. They come to the Red Sea. God splits it wide open. They cross. The enemy comes after them, crashes in on them. They're out there. Every morning, there's food uh, from heaven that comes down. Uh, During the day, there's this big cloud they follow. And at night, it turns into a pillar of fire. I mean, they are surrounded by the supernatural, stuff you and I would pay Big money to see. Uh, I mean, miracles like you cannot imagine. But here they are now. I mean, they're struggling, right? Every time something goes wrong, they panic. Uh, and now Moses is gone for three, four weeks. And, they, you know, where'd he go? We don't know where he is. And they freak and they panic. So they said, you know, make us some gods. So uh, Aaron said, well, take off the gold rings that are in your, on your ears, the ears of your wives, <laughs> your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. He said, when do I get all the gold? Well, before they left Egypt, they ransacked the place. (laughs) He took everything they wanted. So they're loaded, man, with all this gold and stuff like that. He said, well, give me some of the gold that you guys have that you made earrings and stuff out of. So they bring them and uh, they took off all their gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took the gold from them and formed them in in a mold and cast uh, an image of a calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And they started giving credit to the cow. Uh, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation, tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. And it's not to the Lord of heaven. This is to this new Lord that they created, the cow. We're from Wisconsin. You do not worship cows. All right. We appreciate the cows, but I ain't doing it. Anyway. Anyway. So they rose early the next day, offered burnt offerings. They're worshiping this stupid thing. And they brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down, had a big meal, eat and drink. And then they rose up to revel, to partay. Woo! they are getting it down, celebrating, acting all kinds of inappropriate ways, I am sure. Then we're back to God up here talking to Moses. All of a sudden, The Lord says to Moses, go down at once, your people. Now, this is funny. This is like a parent and the kid's acting up, and they tell the other parent, you need to talk to your son. I thought it was our son. (laughs) But suddenly, there's this big, I have nothing to do with them. It's your kid. So God says to Moses, your people, who you brought up on the land of Egypt, have acted perversely, and they've been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast themselves for themselves an image of a calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And, and then the, the Lord says to Moses, I've seen these people, how stiff-necked they are. Now just let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and out of you I will make a great nation. So God is saying at this point, we've seen how many times they've been pushing God to the limit. No matter what God does, they keep panicking and freaking and, and, and getting mad about stuff. And God, God, God said, this is the last one. Get out of the way. Let me just kill a whole lot of them and we'll start over again. You'll be the new Abraham, as it were. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people <laughs> whom you brought out of the land of Egypt? So we got this difficult, who, who do these people belong to situation because they are so frustrating. And all the parents said, Amen. All right. So, so and then he says, You know, why, you know, he, he pleads with God. This is not a good thing. You know, people are going to say, you know, he brought him out of Egypt and just did terrible things to him and stuff like that. So, so God relents. Now, this is one of the oddest things in the Bible. There's a lot of odd things about this whole experience uh, with the children of Israel. God did incredible, amazing things, but they had a real problem, uh, and that is they couldn't shake uh, 450 years of slavery. Even God, though God was doing amazing things, their main problem is that the Israelites. Uh, is that their old reactions failed to line up with their new actions. Okay? You know, something I tell single people all the time, particularly single women, they always come to me and say, you know what? How will I know who I should date? I said, well, there's several things to watch out for, but one of the things is uh, when you're watching them, this new guy in your life, watch how he reacts. Don't just get caught up in how they act. Anybody can act. That's why they call it Acting okay? Reacting is really hard to fake. You can't fake a react. You can fake acting all day long. Uh, And, you know, if there's one thing I hear later about some of these very frustrated women is, well, he said he's this, and he said that, and he said, well, first of all, who cares what he says? That's part of the acting. Anybody, you know, (laughs) I get it. You girls love words, words, the magic of Ladyland. Such pretty words. Ah, ah. Well, it doesn't mean Jack. Look at how he reacts to situations. How does he act when everything goes wrong? How does he act when things aren't happening the way he wants? It? How does he act when he's in traffic? How does he act when somebody cuts in front of him? He watch for and it doesn't take years to figure this stuff out. Open your eyes, pay attention, and not that everybody's perfect, but if he's acting in a way that's really problematic, look out. Okay, how does he react around your family? If he thinks your family is the Adam's family and can't stand them, then get away from him. You know, you're gonna have to live with this for a long time. Uh, so, uh, there's all kinds of things. Pay attention, look for the react. Uh, now, many Christians have the same problem today. They start out in faith with the right actions, but under stress, they keep falling back on their former reactions. Can somebody say amen? You know, they. they you got... Because here's the thing. It's like when you learn to play an instrument, a guitar or a piano and stuff like that or, or any skill that you have riding a bicycle. I mean, you start out and, and you do it wrong so many times. Uh, and then you finally start to learn to do it right. Now, anyone who's ever learned to play an instrument uh, at any time, a lot of you have and got rid of it when you got old enough to escape. <clears throat> but... Uh, um, what, what they do is they'll practice a piece of music over and over, make a mistake, make a mistake, make a mistake, make a mistake, and finally, yeah, they do it right. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to perform. No, you're not. Nay, nay, I say unto thee, nay. There's a lot of you that went to some performance thing or recital and stuff, and you got up there, and you just blew it horribly. Some of you still have nightmares of it, about it. Years later, it was just a disaster. Why did... Because I finally got it where I played it right. Now, 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 you played it wrong 500 times. And you played it right what? Twice. And under pressure, guess what you're going to remember? The wrong. Okay? It happens over and over again. It take, you've got to be able to play it right more than you played it wrong before you can get up confidently in front of the world and do your thing. But we fall into the thing. And as soon as well, I finally got it right, I've got, got the hang of it. No. No, no, no. It takes a while to get it in us so we don't keep repeating the same things. And a lot of Christians, particularly if you're new in your faith over the last few years, you love God, you're excited about what God's doing in your life, but as soon as you get mad, what do you do? You cuss and you lash out, and then you feel bad. Well, why did that happen? Well, because you've been cussing and lashing out all your life. (laughs) You're just now figuring out what you should be doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes a while to shake it. You get under stress and you're freaking out. We turn to drugs and alcohol. And then we feel bad later. Oh, pastor, why do we keep messing up? Because this is what you've done all your life. It takes a while to get it. You're full of uncertainty. What happens? Your heart fills with fear and you panic and get all freaked out. You get lonely. You turn to lust or inappropriate relationships. And these are things that you have done all your life. This is what happens when we fail to let God's the goodness of God Replace the ugliness of sin That has been programmed into us But don't get discouraged You can do this And you know uh, You're starting to get this When your reactions start to change That's one of the biggest signs in your life When you get to the point where All of a sudden you start reacting differently How many of you have noticed At some point in your life Gee, I'm, at, I'm reacting differently I, A week ago I wanted to punch this guy Now I just want to kick him You know I'm doing better you know, and, and and you're getting, and you're starting to get the hang of it, and it starts getting in to you. Uh, the question is, how do you get uh, to the place where your faith starts to create new reactions into you? Well, you do it on purpose. You have to be intentional. Read in First Thessalonians, the first chapter, verse verses two and three. <clears throat> uh, Paul writes, "We always thank God for you, for all of you, and continually mention you in our prayers." We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I love these phrases. Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. Work, labor, and endurance it speaks of intensity and intentionality. You do this on purpose. You have to be intentional about it and let it get into you. Because Christian work, labor, and endurance builds character in us. And by the way, these things—you know—it's work, not for the sake of work, but it's produced by faith. Because of your faith, you start to do the right thing. Labor prompted by love. And if there's anything that marks love, is labor. <laughs> It takes a lot of work to love somebody. It does. It'd be easier to love people if there weren't any people, you know, because people are, are a pain in the rear, quite frankly. And, uh, and if, you know, you start out married, and this is you know, this is, is going to be nirvana for the rest of your life. You're convinced. And then you find out that it's not nirvana. He or she does some really disgusting things, so some really irritating things, and then you learn you have to work at it People today have no patience, so they don't want to work at it. They want to coast and to get themselves in trouble. Endurance. What does that mean? Suck it up, buttercup. Hang in there. Inspired by hope. Remember we talk about hope means, biblical hope. The English language changes, and one of the words that have changed dramatically over the last few decades is the word hope. Uh, it, today it means wish, you know, uh, is your, are the Packers going to win today? I hope so. You know that, That's not what hope actually means. Not in the English. Now it's a second or third uh, meaning because it's taking on a new meaning and pretty soon it's going to be the main meaning because I don't think most people even know what hope. Hope is when you're absolutely convinced something's going to happen. That's what hope is. You're convinced it's going to happen. We've used the analogy over the last few weeks. It's like when you place an order on Amazon and you hit the button, you're now filled with hope. Why? You know It's coming. And if it don't, doesn't come, you're shocked. You're shocked. I mean, that's what hope is. When something doesn't happen, that's when, not, not when something good happens, you're shocked. I'm so surprised it happened. I'm so surprised my prayer got answered. Yeah, that's just God's grace in your life because you weren't walking in hope, I'll tell you that. You, you know it's on its way. This is hope. This is what builds endurance and you hang in there because you know the check is in the mail. Hallelujah. So we got to do this idea of work, labor, and endurance to get these principles built into us. Um, I have a a pastor friend that I talk with every week. And we get together, and we talk over these scriptures that we're going to be preaching on uh, on Sundays. His name's Preston Sharp. We were talking about this. He said, you know, whatever you do shapes you. And I thought, whatever you do repeatedly shapes you. And there's where we're at. See, a lot of us, the reason why we don't get into this, we only act good in certain circumstances. We come to church and we act good, you know. <laughs> you know, some, of you, some couples on the way, they're, they're yelling at each other all the way to church. And, uh, and they want to cast the devil out of their kids. And, and they're just frustrated as they can be. But as soon as they walk in the door, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Some of you, because I know some of you guys are just sinners. God loves you. I love you. But, uh, (laughs) you know, because I I know, I I hear, I hear, I hear some of the stuff going on. And so you don't get along at all at home, but you sit in church, and then he places his hand on your leg the whole time you're sitting in church so that your parents and everybody thinks everything is good. You are full of baloney. Okay? Uh, Because you're only acting right in minimum minimal circumstances. But then all week long, you keep acting in a bad way. And you will keep doing the bad, even though you believe in the good, right? And then that gets into your system and into your reaction. The whole thing with the children of Israel, they couldn't shake 450 years of slavery. Every time they got under pressure, they went back to what they've always done. What he's always done, and that's a challenge for us. is a challenge in relationships, even in, in marriages. Some of you guys have been married for 30 years and you've done nothing, the wrong stuff to each other for 30 years, and now you try to work on it. It's going to take a while. You're going to have to change the way you act towards each other, and you're going to have to be intentional, and you're going to have to work, you're going to have to labor, and you're going to have to endure so you start doing more of the right things than the wrong things, and then the reactions will start changing. Good preaching, Pastor Mark. Glad we came this morning. Hallelujah. (laughs) We need to train ourselves to the point that our reactions line up with our Christian actions. It's called Christian discipline. Now, granted, it may take a while for some of us to get this. And uh, I've I've talked before about this analogy, like pianos and In the beginning, you just make lots of mistakes. It's okay, you know, don't get discouraged in your face. The pastor, I keep blowing out. That's all right. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. That's why there's forgiveness. That's why there's grace. That's why at the end of every service, we take communion together and we kind of just do a reset. Lord, forgive me for whatever mistakes I've made and blowing it this week. And so, so don't get discouraged. It takes a while to get it. Nobody, you know, we, we love listening to these musicians. These guys are amazing. But they didn't learn this in a week. It took a while. And it took work, right? It took labor and it took endurance, to the point that most people wouldn't do it. I mean, let's face it: musicians are really odd people, uh, and I'm one of them, you know. Because only really odd people would keep going. Most of you go, "All right, I've done it eight times. I'm done. I'm going to go outside and play." But these weirdos like myself, we just keep doing it. Over and over and over and over. Obnoxiously, people come to say to me, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, will you, will you lay hands on me so I can play the piano like you? I say, you're crazy. <laughs> it's not how that works. They, they want a miracle. They want, will you pray for my kids to play? No. I look at the kids and say, practice till you puke. That's it. Practice till you puke. Practice till you can't stand it anymore and then do it some more. That's how you get to the point you can get up in front of people and play. Okay, only odd people do that. So that's why musicians do it, and uh, and we love doing it Uh, um, for different reasons. There's two types of musicians. There are musicians that love the art of music. Most of these guys up there are like that. Then there's musicians like me. We don't really love the art. We just do it because we want people to look at us. (laughs) All right, so... I confess it freely, all right? That was my motivation all my life. You know, I didn't care why I was playing. I just got to the place I could play and everybody go ooh, and then I felt good, all right? So that's, you know, we all have our issues, right? I seem to have more than most. The problem is, while it does take good time for a lot of people, they can live as Christians for years and years and years and years and years and and never get this. They never get to the point where they're, faith really affects how they react to things. Uh, The writer of Hebrews in the New Testament, we always say the writer of Hebrews because nobody knows who wrote it. There's nobody's name on it. A lot of people think Paul wrote it, but there's enough stylistic changes that they're not sure he wrote it. So whoever wrote it, it's in the Bible. And uh, in the fifth chapter, verse 12, the writer says this. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's words all over again. You need milk, not solid food. He wasn't praising them. He's butt-slapping them. I said, what is it with you people? By now, you guys ought to be teachers and stuff. You've been in this faith for a long time, but you still need people to come and teach you. Why is that? Because they failed to make this to the point where they could shift it from just here into here, where it becomes a reality where it becomes strong, where it starts to make you act and, more importantly, react differently. See, a lot of people practice what's considered vaccine Christianity. Okay? You know what vaccines are, and this is not a pro-anti-vaccine. Whatever you think, I don't care. All right? But uh, the idea behind a vaccine, and then some of them historically uh, have, have been good. When I was born back in the middle 1800s, you know, <laughs> actually... 1954 was when I was born. And up until then, uh, thousands of people were contracting polio. A lot of people did. And uh, it was killing them. Uh, You don't find too many people today that are my age or older who have polio. It was a horrible thing. It would cripple them or kill them. 1954 comes along. There's something new introduced. It's the polio vaccine. And from that moment on, it stopped. Now, I know people go pro and anti-vaccine, get all psychotic about stuff, and I don't really care because that's not what this is about. I'm just the idea of the vaccine introduced, in this case, the polio one, I'm glad it came along because then it stopped, right? Well, uh, the idea of the vaccine is they give you just a little bit of enough of it that it doesn't affect you anymore, right? Um, but a lot of people practice Christ- vac- vaccine Christianity, they get just enough in them, it doesn't affect them. <laughs> it's true. They get just enough that they feel good about themselves, but they still live horribly, and they have terrible actions, and they don't forgive people, and they get mad and cuss at everybody, and they're all losing their brains because they can't handle, can't handle their relationships in their life, everything's a mess. You've been I've been a Christian for 20 years. yeah, you've been a Christian long enough to just get vaccine, vaccinated, and don't let the rest of it affect you. This is a danger with our young people. Uh, A lot of us really struggle today. I mean, the church has had this struggle for generations. But our goal is to pass our faith onto our kids. And for a lot of us, we've failed to do it. Some we've done, some we haven't. I mean, that's the greatest testimony you can put in your life, that your kids get this as well. But a lot of them no. But a lot of them just, they get vaccinated. They think they're Christians and they live like hell. Do we love them? Yes. They're our kids. You can't escape them. You know? Does the church love them? Yes. And I always tell people, no matter how far you go or how messed up you get, you can always come home here. But they live in a place of situation where their their life gets really complicated and they suffer a lot of pain and stuff because the maximum amount of Christianity they got was just enough to, seems like, to keep them from getting affected by it. Uh, And you don't want to live like that. You want this to really change you, not vaccinate you. I mean, a lot of people that go to church, it's like, you know, fire insurance. You know, they pay the premium so they don't go to hell. That's really their thing, you know. So in case there's a fire, you know, I want to make sure I'm okay. They check in and out. But the church isn't fire insurance from hell. And church isn't just checking in, you know, time to time to make sure you're okay. I mean, a lot of people go to church, you know, twice a year around here, whether they need it or not. Uh, And uh, it doesn't affect them. Why? You can't just go to church on Christmas and Easter and have this change you. To let it change you, you have to work, labor, and endure. And if you get real intentional, it starts changing you and it transforms you, and it makes you a better person. It makes you a happier person. It makes you a more peaceful person. It makes you a more successful person. But if you don't, no matter what incredible experience you might have, look at the children of Israel. They experienced stuff that, man, we would all love to see, and it never changed them. They just experienced it at a surface level and then would always go back to their old ways. And in the case of the children of Israel, uh, they finally, God left them in the wilderness till they all died. He wouldn't let them go into the promised land and then their kids went in and built a great nation. So that's always our challenge. As we experience this thing, let, us let it really change us. Let it really get down inside of us uh, and make us a different kind of person so that it will in fact change us Uh, And then we start to react the way that we believe our actions should be. Amen. All right. We're going to have our time of communion now. We're going to invite our musicians to come back up and uh, get ready to uh, do our time of communion. Um, In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, Paul writes these words I just mentioned about resetting the meter. He says, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. Sounds a little intense, right? He says, examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink of, without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. He's really kind of warning. You know, there's a great blessing in the sacrament of communion that we're going to do that we believe God blesses us with. But on the, on the other side of it, there's a warning. Don't do this casually. You know, we got to take this stuff seriously. But the main focus is verse 28 where he says, examine yourself. This is where we pause every Sunday and we just do a reset and ask God to forgive us if we've messed up in any way over the last week. So uh, let's all bow our heads here at the Fox Valley and, and Stevens Point. And I want to pray a prayer for all of us, uh, just a reset time. You know, no matter what you've been doing, if your reactions are still bad and You still haven't got this struggling whatever. Let's just do a reset time where we ask God to forgive us and make things right. That's why Jesus died on the cross. His body was broken for us so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we've done or by what we've left undone. If we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we ask that you would have mercy on us and forgive us of all of our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as our heads are bowed, maybe there's something specific the Holy Spirit's bringing to your mind and just confess it to God. Say, Lord, forgive me for for such and such. I shouldn't have done whatever. And and if you've never, ever asked Christ into your life, why don't you do that right now? In your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life and you can start experiencing this wonderful thing we've been talking about that transforms and empowers your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your life and make you a new person. Uh, And you can start your first walks of faith today, if you'll do that prayer. Amen.